It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Brewing. Each week, we take a look at sports topics locally, some nationally. Of course, our gambling segment and my favorite segment of the show, when you can ask me a question, ask Skinny Anything. You can find that at the hashtag on Twitter, ask Skinny Anything. We're uh, a couple of days before Christmas, day before Christmas Eve. I, I must ask, Rick, is as busy as I am. I know you're quite as busy as well. Have you finished your Christmas shopping? Well, th- this weird year, I didn't really have much. Did you have the normal amount? Uh, yeah, I did have the normal amount. I don't. I don't. <laughs> Your wife takes care of it. You're that married. Is, so you're yeah, I, I just don't. Um, I To the credit of the, of the people in my family, they get me a couple of gifts every year. I really don't ask for anything. I, I enjoy the the. I, I do enjoy Christmas morning still with with my my kid kids, even though they're you know one is married and out of the house. She's coming over with her husband in the morning tomorrow morning, Christmas Eve. Then we're going to her house uh, with his parents on Christmas Day. So I do enjoy that part of it, watching them unwrap and just spending the time on a kind of a, a, a chance to slow down a little bit in life for a, for a few hours. Uh, each of our two dogs get a bone chip and I like to see them fight over it. Cause of course they can't have their own. They've got to have the other one's bone chip and that becomes a fiasco. So yeah, I, 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 I do enjoy Christmas morning. It just, for me, I'm just not a big uh, gift giver, gift taker kind of guy. Just, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like a Scrooge in that regard, but I, th- I think it's been mentioned on this podcast before that you're really not much of a holiday guy. I'm just not. I, I enjoy holidays. I enjoy being around my family, believe it or not in holidays. I enjoy the, the chance to slow down for a day around holidays, but to me, meh, life goes too fast. Yeah. I was in a situation where I just didn't like, I think part of it is just the we're all getting older and stuff. So, you know, you get to like maybe you do a gift exchange now amongst right. like family members, right. but it's like one thing. And, uh, you know, this year, I mean, most of us aren't even getting together. So I don't even think we're doing any of that really. It was basically like one person I had, one or two people I had to buy for, and that was it. That's pretty simple. Pretty yeah, simple. I'm good to go. I'm ready right. for it. But, but the, the best part is really are, are you going to be betting the Christmas Day NBA <laughs> games? <laughs> Um, yeah, that's one of my favorite times as well, because usually on Christmas Day, I will do that. I'll get up. We'll go have kind of a family breakfast, open presents, you know, kind of hang around. And then they will start watching their Christmas movies. And I kind of retreat to the bedroom and just kind of veg out watching basketball from noon until midnight. Yeah, I mean, it's really a pretty good lineup. (laughs) And and you got got a football game on Christmas Day this year. Yeah, yeah. It's really going to be a pretty good day of betting if we're going to be honest. And since since you're not allowed to go see people, I mean, you might as well just take a little trip out to Indiana. Pull up the little DraftKings app yep. and set yourself up for a nice Christmas day. <laughs> degenerate holiday. Merry freaking degenerate holiday Christmas. <laughs> if you hit a parlay, it will be a Merry Christmas. Exactly. All right, Skinny, let's get into it. The Bengals, believe it or not, pulled off the 27-17 win over the Steelers on Monday Night Football. Zach Taylor, build the damn statue. He has saved his job. Or has he? Skinny, was this just a one-off performance for the Bengals? Do you think they can continue this? Do you think Zach Taylor needs to continue this for his sake? Yeah, and by the way, if, if you want more of a breakdown on, on a lot of what took place in the game and all the storylines from it, Rick and I did did our post-Bengals uh, podcast. That's up on the website at local12.com. It's the skinny podcast, the Bengals post-game edition. So if you're wondering why we're not talking a lot about that game in particular, we just did about yeah. uh, 36 hours ago or so. So we're trying to spin this forward a little bit. We got so plenty he, of TikTok star action on there if you want. Yes, to yes, yes, we do. Um, yeah, indeed. Juju and Juju in the, in the, in the big hit. Um, yeah, I, I think it's... It is a one-off to some degree. Um, the thing I'll say is you got to start somewhere, right? If you're going to try to save your job, 
you have to start somewhere. So to me, this is more of a starting place. Um, and I do think there has to be a good finish. Does that include having to win one of the last two? Probably not. I mean, for myself, I would say yes. For the family's sake, the answer is probably no. But I also would say this. I don't think they can go to Houston and get embarrassed. I don't think you can play Baltimore and get embarrassed and suddenly look back in, in, in the span of the last eight games of the season and go, well, they beat Pittsburgh. I mean, there's a really good ch- chance, Rick, that Pittsburgh finishes 11 and five with five straight losses, including the Bengals, and that you really look back at that win. And while, you know, Bengals fans should savor it, it was enjoyable. Um, they did what they had to do to win a football game. You don't take that away from them. But we may look back and go, boy, Pittsburgh was in the midst of a huge slide, and you kind of just took advantage of the slide. And, you know, they gave you three gifts in the first half, and it still felt like you were going to piss it away in the second half, and you almost did. Um, so, yeah, I, I think right now, to me, it is kind of a one-off. It's, it's the NFL. It's the Jets beat the, beat the Rams. You know, it happens on, on occasion in this league where you just have no explanation for it. But if you want to, again, you, you have to have a starting place. This, to me, is the starting place, and you need a couple of good games to finish it up, in my opinion, to, to have some level of belief. If they get boat raced the next two or even lose the next two in fairly ugly fashion, I just can't go, well, that's still the guy. I mean, that's the just because he beat Pittsburgh. No, I I don't think so. I think you need to follow this up with something. It feels like a lot of times we're having two conversations when we talk about this team and their direction and Zach Taylor's future. It's like the realistic conversation that the rest of the world would be having. And the family's conversation. Yeah, then the Brown family conversation where it's like, we have no idea what they're going to do. Or maybe we do, but it's not based in what they should be doing or what everyone else in the world thinks they should be doing. So it's frustrating to have this conversation. It's hard to have this conversation because it feels like we get to a point where we're all like, okay, we're done. We've seen plenty. There's no chance this guy is the guy. But then a game like this happens and you have to go back to, are the, were the Browns ever thinking he was out? I mean, like the Brown family right. might be like, yeah, see, we knew it was coming. There it is. We're right. good to go. I mean, maybe that you're right. Maybe all they need to see is just a decent performance against the Texans and not even a win. And, and they're fine with the direction Zach Taylor's taking this thing. And that's hard for me to believe or swallow, but I wouldn't rule it out. And if they go in, they beat the Texans now. I mean, yeah, I, I think we're looking at the Brown family is happy with the job that Zach Taylor has done. I mean, at least Pac-Man Jones is. Okay, yes, he is. Here, so <laughs> yes, he is. That's really what I'm resting my hopes and dreams on is whatever Pac-Man believes is the right move. It depends on whether he was high or not high. Uh, I think. No, we, it doesn't. I'm pretty certain he was high. I, I don't okay, think we have uh, to. Yeah, okay. That's yeah. a good point. I'm pretty yeah. certain he was too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we've seen this before, right? We've seen that coach that felt like he was on the verge of, of losing his job, save it with a late flourish. And it, it wasn't just Marvin Lewis. It's been coaches before that have done this. Yeah. But, Mar- Marvin, Marvin would be a really bad example because but, Marvin but, was a pretty immediate turnaround when he first got there. And then later well, got to that point, a couple of times where people are like, is this it for Marvin? Right. Well, But, but I think Marvin saved his job in whatever year that was 16 or I guess 17, um, the Tyler Boyd catch game when they beat Detroit the next to last game, then went to Baltimore, um, knocked them out of the playoffs. Remember, got the Bills in the playoffs. It was the Tyler Boyd catch and run game. And it was like, OK, this team really showed some life and to bring Marv back. And guess what? That ended in disaster again. So I've seen this movie play out. That's uh, that the good part to me is Pittsburgh was not the final game of this season. There's at least a couple of more to be able to judge on, in my opinion. And I think that's what he should be judged on. Um, Because if it's just this and then two more duds, 
And Pittsburgh, again, as I mentioned, has a real legit chance to lose their next two. They play the Colts and the Browns, and they're playing terrible football. To me, is this isn't as significant a win as we think it was. It's nice to beat the Steelers, right? I mean, no matter how you want to slice it, even if Pittsburgh was was two and eleven, it's still good to beat Pittsburgh. But it takes a little of the luster off beating a, a, what many thought was a really good Pittsburgh team, as opposed to boy, they just all of a sudden hit the skids. Yeah, you, you can separate the the idea of hey, any win for this Bengals team is a good win, and in the NFL, you don't apologize for stuff, right? Whatever, be excited about it. From the idea that this also felt a lot more like it was about how bad the Steelers were and the spot that they're in mentally and inside their locker room that it was, Hey, the Bengals are really turning this thing around and, and moving in the right direction now. You know, I mean, at least that was the vibe I got. And maybe we'll see, maybe, maybe we're completely wrong. Maybe the Bengals are turning a corner here and Ryan Finley is going to be an all pro quarterback going forward, which I know you're very high on his prospects. So um, if you could see me right now, my jaw just hit the ground with that <laughs> comment. The, my bottom, I hang on. I got to pull it up. I got to get it off the floor here. Give me a second. There we go. Uh, I yeah. mean, that was one thing we didn't talk about much on our breakdown though. We didn't really get into like the Ryan Finley game, maybe because he didn't really do anything with his arm. Seven for 13 <laughs> for 89 yards. My man. I mean, uh, that, that looked like the, the, the high school team that has decided we can't let Fred throw it a whole lot. Let's just run it and punt. I, I feel like as much as we've ripped on that guy on this podcast, though, we have to give him a little credit. For yeah, I, I, will, I will say this. On the one touchdown drive um, in the first half, one of the ones that came up, might have come off the Mackenzie Alexander interception, um, the one that ended in the Geo Bernard uh, short touchdown run. Oh, no, actually, I'm sorry, the one that, yeah, that ended in Geo's four-yard touchdown run. He made a couple of big third-down throws on that drive. I'll give him credit for that. I mean, a couple of big third-down conversions came via the pass. So um, he did some. He did enough things to that, that you got to give him a little pat on the head and say congratulations. And in three years, where you're selling insurance, you can look back on this moment and and, and revel in it. Real quick, I want to go back to your your point about Marvin Lewis, though. I totally get what you're saying in terms of like Marvin was almost out there a couple times and, and specifically that season you mentioned where Tyler Boyd kind of saved him. I I'm hoping in my mind, there's a difference to the Brown family between a guy like Marvin who established credibility, got you moving in the right direction once already and had built up cachet within the yeah. locker room and the organization and a guy who came in with zero credentials. You kind of reached on him when you hired him and has shown zero direction, zero improvement, zero anything that would suggest he is the guy for this job. Uh, to me, the, to me, I would hope they they weigh those things differently when they're trying to make that decision. You know, like I would hope one game against the Steelers wouldn't be enough to save a, a Zach Taylor the same way it would a Marvin Lewis is, who had already done the job for several years and proven that he could be a better option for the Bengals than what they previously had. And I think you've got to really look if you're, if you're the family of the, the, in terms of ticket sales next year, and let's just go, let's just take the tack that they lose the next two. Okay. Um, and, and so you don't have a lot of positive momentum then going into the off season. And yeah, you got that win over the Steelers and all, but I just don't think the fan base gets excited just because you beat Pittsburgh. I think they need to see a positive direction in order to jump back in. And, and I mean, jump back in by buying tickets and going to games and having a vested interest. You know, that stadium the other night, there was 10,000 fans, uh, a little over 10,000 fans uh, announced. And I'd venture a guess, Rick. 8,000 Steelers? I, I was going to say 65%. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was, okay, it was, a, it was yeah. a pretty good chunk. Um and it just shows me that, that a fans didn't, you know, locally it's on TV. I'll watch it on TV. I'm not going to go spend 150 bucks to watch this slop. 
And if you, again, don't play well the next two games, it's still kind of slop. Yeah, there's Joe Burrow again, but um, it's, you know, look, the excitement of Joe Burrow is over a little bit, the initial excitement. Um, you know, it, now the next step is him winning games. And it's not just him, it's the organization building around him to win games. But the initial excitement of Joe Burrow is kind of over. The next step is, I want to get excited because they're winning games, not just because they've got the number one overall pick playing quarterback. I've seen that already. I'm, I'm impressed with it. It's good. It's not enough for me to go back and buy a ticket, though, to go watch these guys because the rest of it's slop and they don't win. So they, they've still got to sell some kind of excitement to the fan base. And I think the only way would be is new coach, new direction, new new ideas to kind of build that back up. So that's what I'm saying. If, if you lose the next two, I just can't imagine the fan base is, is feeling very good about the direction of this team. And the organization has to feel that. The family has to feel that. I'm way more terrified about them beating a awful Texans team. And then you probably lose the final game, whatever, but they, they beat the Steelers. They beat an awful Texans team and the Brown family uh, combos that with, Hey, DJ reader was out, right? Uh, you know, all, the, a lot of guys, we spent a lot of money on this offseason didn't play, or at least not for a full season. We lost Joe Burrow, right? As he was starting to hit his stride and we, we were Joe looking Mixon. like a better team. Yeah. you don't have, I mean, I'm really concerned, and and there is some merit to that to an extent, but they were a disaster with all those guys. Well, not all of them, but they were a disaster with most of those guys early too. And I'm afraid that it's going to be enough for the Brown family to look at and just say, "We think we had the team in place at the beginning of the season. It just fell apart on us through no fault of our own, and we're going to roll it back out there and and give Zach Taylor another chance." That, and that and that that's fine. That, that, that that's your decision to make because you own the club. I just don't think the fan base buys back into that. I just don't. Not not some will, sure. And, and there's always the blind loyalists who do. But I think the majority of the fan base will go, I'll catch you on TV. And if you start doing something, yeah, at the end of the year I might come. And if not, I'm not I'm not gonna buy your season tickets. I'm just not. All right, let's move on to a baseball topic. I haven't talked about the Reds in a while, but it's looking like Reds fans are in for an offseason of overhaul. Already gone are pitchers Archie Bradley, Anthony DeSclafani, Rizel Iglesias. And we can go ahead and say Trevor Bauer's gone as well at this point. John Heyman recently reported that the team is also interested in listening to offers for starters Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo. Aside from just pitchers, Heyman reported that the Nationals had talked the Reds about trading for third baseman Eugenio Suarez, and Jeff Passan reported that they were gauging interest in Mike Moustakis. Now, First, these are just reports about conversations. It doesn't mean the Reds are seriously considering yes, any of that, them. That, that, thank you for that. Or yes. anything is imminent. Yes. And I, I mean, people get really confused about that, especially with the baseball rumors uh, stuff going on. So uh, a lot of this stuff never gets reported, but then the few that do blow up and become a huge conversation when really they maybe shouldn't. But based on where there's smoke, there's fire type of deal. I mean, we're hearing all these rumors about Reds and it's not just fringe guys. It's some of their main pieces right now. What do you make of the Reds offseason strategy, Skinny? Do you think it'd be smart to head towards a total rebuild? I don't. A, I don't. But let, let me go back to the initial point of, of some of these things that are being thrown around and, and bandied around. Um, you know, if, if I if I think that the Reds are maybe going to sell guys off, if I'm the Washington Nationals, hell yeah, I'm making a phone call. Does that mean the Reds really pondered that for a long period of time? Maybe not. Um, same for a lot of these guys. And that's why a lot of those those reports of potential trades or talks, it, it, it doesn't interest me a lot because again, if I'm interested in Mike Trout, hell yeah, I'm calling the angels. And if I'm the angels, I may go, okay, thanks for the call. Have a good day. I mean, okay. So yeah, technically that report is accurate. They called about my reds called about Mike Trout. 
But at the end of the day, that, that call meant nothing. So I'm one that I, I need to see action first. Now, on to your, your, your question about the rebuild. It feels like it's trending in that direction. But until they would pull the trigger on a Sonny Gray trade or a Suarez trade or something along those lines, then I would start to feel like that's coming. At the stage they've done it so far, I think we all understood they probably weren't going to be able to sign, re-sign Trevor Bauer, right? We all kind of figured that. We, we hoped but you just, especially coming off a year where you had no fans in the stands, the, the, the economics of that were not going to work. So let's start there, Rick. We, we pretty much agree that they were not going to be able to resign Trevor Bauer, right? Yeah. Basically, okay. two weeks after the season were over, I think we all knew that was correct. Okay. Trading Rizel Iglesias is probably a positive, actually. You did save some money, which you need to probably do. He wasn't very effective any longer. So I'm, I'm good with that, that deal. Di Sclafani didn't have a very good year last year. You've got kind of a glut of starting pitchers at the moment, even if you don't resign Trevor Bauer. You've got a glut of Anthony Di Sclafani level starting pitchers. The TJ Antones, the Wade Miley's, Michael Lorenzen's going to jump back into the rotation this year. So until they trade a Sonny Gray, which I guess that's potential, even though the, the contract is still team friendly, I can't see any way they trade Luis Castillo because it, the contract's too team friendly. And so I will say this if you do that, then yes, then we are obviously heading towards a complete major overhaul. And good luck selling that to this fan base because they waited a long time for what amounted to you not scoring any runs against Atlanta. Look, Playoffs aside, I think we needed more out of the playoffs than, than what we got in order to go, hey, I'm back as a Reds fan. I, I, and then if you flip the script and, and start to rebuild again, good luck selling your fan base on that. I don't think they're going to stick around for another rebuild. They'll, they'll be back when the rebuild is over, but they ain't going to take you through the rebuild. They're not going to nurse you through the rebuild, and they ain't coming to watch you during the rebuild. So good luck with that. I'm really concerned about the spot the Reds are in. And it makes you wonder, is that, and I, I said it at the time, is, is that why Dick Williams walked away? Is it because he knew this was coming, could see the writing on the wall? And I said it at the time. Or is it was he honest that he just was tired of the grind of, of Major League Baseball? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to know. I, I have major concerns about the way that all played out. I mean, whether it was his intentions or not to say, well, hey, I don't care what happens long-term because I'm, I'm going to get out or I have this out. It, it was at least a safety net underneath of him. He always knew it was an option, you know, to to just leave and, and join the family business. So right. that does concern me about the way this thing was done. But aside from that, just looking at the position the Reds are in, we ended last year. And I remember we were trying to have a conversation about, I mean, this was just a couple months ago. We were, we were saying, okay, like, what do the Reds need to do? What's the next step? Where do they go from here? Aside from re-signing Bauer and, and, um, and Nick Castellanos, we were talking about if he might opt out, which we knew he probably wouldn't because he's got a pretty good deal. Right. So he, he's still there. Uh, what 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 move could the Reds make with this team? You're losing Trevor Bauer. What move could you make that would make you convinced they are a contender? I mean, they had Trevor Bauer last year, the best pitcher in all of baseball, and they weren't really that close to being a contender. I don't know what move they could make that would put them there. And I agree with you that. An well, the, 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 be, the, the, yeah, the move would be going and adding another bat and, but that's going to cost money. So if it, it, but okay. But I mean, let's, let's, let's say that. I mean, what bat are you going to add? And, and like, maybe even if it's a great bat, a, a guy that, that's a real difference maker in the middle of your lineup, that's one guy. And it, okay. It moves a couple other guys around that. Maybe it helps the middle of your lineup. They, they perform a little bit better, but even still, I don't know that one bat in the middle of your lineup is enough to replace 
the production he lost at the top of your rotation with Trevor Bauer. I, I, I think it could be, and I think that's the interesting part, because I do think they underachieved at the plate last year. I think some guys oh, definitely had, did. you know, Suarez had an underachieving year. Castellanos, in my opinion, had an underachieving year, and I think those guys have the potential for bounce back. So to me, if you're saving on the Trevor Bauer money and adding a bat, and you, you, you know, you, you're only trying to shave um, or add a, a, a little bit of offensive productivity. I think you can make up for the loss of Trevor Bauer with that. So I, I, I think I'm okay with that. I, I, I kind of really believe that that could take place. I really do. Uh, but you have to add the bat. That, 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 that's the part to me. Is, um, and and but, but I think that's what we're going to see. Are you in or are you out at this point? Okay, but let's I mean, let's say the the bat and Trevor Bauer, which I don't agree with. I think the most dominant pitcher in baseball is more valuable than having a bat in the middle of your lineup. It, let's say they, they cancel each other out. I, that still gets you back to a team that's not really a but, but, I, but I'm going back to, to guys. Who I'm, I'm, but I'm, I'm taking the, the step of the guys. Everyone's going to play better than they previously. Not, not, not everyone, but the guys who underachieved who are still kind of in the prime of their career haven't bounced back seasons. I, I mean, I, is there anything that tells you that Suarez can't have a bounce back season or Castellanos can't have a bounce back season? It's not no. like they're pushing 37, 38 years old at the end of their careers. Um, to fair. me, it, to me, that that's the part I'm kind of counting on. And maybe I'm counting on too much for that. Um, no, I think I think Suarez is obvious. I mean, everyone thinks Suarez is going to have a better year this year than he right. Did last year. But but you, but you still need to add that bat, and that to me is where okay, either you're in or you're out at this point. Either if you're not going to add that bat and spend the money on that bat from the savings of Trevor Bauer's you know money going out the door, then where are you? You are stuck in limbo. So at that point, maybe you are in for the rebuild. I just don't know how you sell that to the fan base. I just don't. Yeah, look, I mean, the, the, this team got crushed in the Todd Frazier probably re-signing Joey Vada to another big deal, like not getting rid of pieces when they had their most value hanging on a little too long. The last time they kind of had to do this rebuild thing, right? They got crushed for that. And so I look at the situation they're in right now and I understand why trading a Sonny Gray, a Luis Castillo, Aoheny, well, Aoheny Suarez would be a bad example because you'd be trading while his value's low. But the, you know, the two pitchers I mentioned, it would make sense to trade them now if you are going to do a rebuild because they have their most value. They are on team-friendly deals. You know, they are still young and in their prime. Those are the, the types of guys that you can get legit prospects for potentially. So if you were going to blow it all up, I get the logic. Yes, behind agreed. Making those types of deals. But back to your point, man, is that going to be a really tough sell because you just basically screwed up a rebuild that you said you were doing because you tried to push it for a small window at the end of Joey Votto's career. That was probably never really going to happen. And it didn't. And now you're going to rebuild again. And uh, I mean, man, that's just a really, really hard sell. I, to me, I think your hope is you're shooting for two years from now that like Nick Lodolo and Hunter green are going to be dudes for you and legit guys in your, your rotation. And that's kind of the window you're shooting for. Now, what can you do to retool this, this team for the next two to three years. Yeah. And that's well-reasoned. Um, and that's to me is where you have to figure out, are you in or you're out? You can't be in the limbo stage. You can't be in that stage where you were in, in whatever that was 2015, where you, you had the all-star game and you want to show the fan base that, uh, that, uh, you know, we, we're not selling everything off yet. Enjoy the all-star game. And then, you know, you, you kind of waited too long for that. And it, it stuck you for another three, four five years to where then you had to overspend in this past off season to, to kind of get to that, playoff level team so I, i'm with you in that regard i mean I, i'm i would tell you either you're in by adding a bat and I, I get it you can't add the bat and sign trevor bauer and and 
I think you and I are both trying to be fair there. You can't do both. You can't do everything. And I'm not expecting them to do everything. They can't afford that. Okay. So that part to me, if, if they let Trevor Bauer walk, I don't think that signals that they're in the rebuild mode. No, I mean, as long they, as they take they that money. Right. As long as they take that money and add the bat. But if you're not going to do that, then yes, I'm all, I'm all for at this stage going, all right, what are my pieces that are going to be here as, as, as key core pieces in three years and let me build around them. I'm okay with that. I just don't think you're going to sell that to the fan base though. I just don't. Cause they've, they waited, they waited five years for, and unfortunately they didn't even get a chance to really enjoy last year. Cause you couldn't go to the ballpark. No, I mean, that's, that's the thing. No one even got to see last year when you had that brief, like two week run at the end of the year where you backed your way into the playoffs. So, and I think you'd had some good crowds for those games yeah. I think been a, a buzz and, and excitement. And um, you just couldn't, you didn't have that. You would unfortunately because of the, 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 the virus. So um, man, this would be a tough sell, bro. It would be tough. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that they have a legit path to being a contender, though. Right, and now. that's and that's where I go back to. I wonder, you know, if, if that's where they they had their off season meetings, and and Dick Williams was told, listen, um, we can't afford this. We're gonna have to rebuild this. And he went, listen, I just spent five years trying to do this. I got it exactly where I wanted. Um, I'm out. And that that was kind of the fear. That was kind of the tea leaves, right? I don't know. We don't know that for a fact still because they haven't. I mean, the trades they've made to this point, the moves they made to this point are kind could, of meh. Yeah, well, they could just be trying to get a little cash to make a big right, move for all right. we know. I mean, exactly. that's very well possible. And I, I don't get – look, people – I love how this works, right? Everyone wants you to do something. They'd be pissed off if the Reds just stood pat in this offseason. They say, why, why weren't you trying to make moves? Why weren't you active in, in free agency? Why weren't you making trades, right? But the second there are conversations rumored out there Everyone's mad about, oh, why are you getting rid? Are you even trying? Are you, why are you getting rid of your star players? This guy's on a good contract. He's our best pitcher. Everyone gets mad about it. It's like, you can't have it both ways. Like, if they're going to be active, then they're going to have to gauge interest. And teams are going to ask them who's available. And they're going to ask them, if, hey, can we get that guy? So reports are going to pop out. It's not something to get mad about. You want your team to be involved in those talks. Yeah, I, I'm not mad. I, I just sometimes I think those things are overblown. John Heyman, it feels like every day just takes a pile of poop and slings it against the wall and sees what sticks. For sure. And I, but look, I mean, but I'm talking about from a fan's perspective. I'm not oh, talking yeah, about you yeah, and I'm not talking yeah, about John yeah, Heyman. I'm just yeah. saying people want to act like it's an issue that the Reds are mentioning these conversations. Like that's an indictment on their competitiveness towards next year. And it's, that's not the case at all. Like, like you said, it's just John Heyman getting a, a bit of information from whoever. It could be the team. It could be an agent. It could, right. it could be That's anyone right. from right. any side. Like it literally could be the other team or an agent of a player that's telling them that. And the Reds could have picked up the phone and said, we have zero interest. You are idiots and hung up. But but I get I get the point of panic in fans when you see those kind of things, because, um, you you know, it they're letting Trevor Bauer walk. Oh, my gosh. Um, our GM just quit kind of out of the blue to go to the family business. Is that because of what I've just talked about? And they've made some trades. And again, you're seeing this from a fan perspective. Oh, my gosh, they're shedding payroll. And again, to this point, the trades that they've made, meh, I'm, I'm OK with any of those. Dick Williams might honestly have gone into the family business, but there also could be a lot of smoke to this. And the next uh, month plus is going to be really interesting. Cause like I said, I, I think it's one or the other, either they're, they're ready for another sell-off or they are shedding money to go get a bat and continue to make a run at this. Well, it's going to be interesting to watch them. I, I mean, I, just don't get caught in limbo. I think that's what I, you and I are in agreement with. Don't get caught in, in no man's land with this. Yeah, no that, man's land with this is, is, is 82 and 80, 83 and 79. And yeah, it can be interesting for part of the summer, but it doesn't get you to the playoffs. That's my concern. And my other concern is even if they do try to go for it, 
right now, I don't know that they're in a position to make that happen. I think yeah, they might but be I in that spot I, either way. I got you, but I just again, I'm just looking at this from a fan perspective. If you want the fans to buy in, you better show you better throw them a bone. I I just I can't imagine fans even even wanting to fathom because fans in this city right now feel like they've been kicked in the teeth so many times, right? Especially over the last few years. The Reds haven't been very good. Um, you know, the Bengals are so bad that they they that I think the apathy is is at an all-time high. And, and I'm telling you, I've said this before, Rick. I think when we get out of all this pandemic stuff and when, you know, you are allowed to go to the ballpark, I think there's also going to be a segment of fans who go, the at-home experience is just so much better for me. I'm not going, I love my team. I just don't need to go spend a bunch of money on them when I enjoyed watching them from my couch. I think that's going to happen to a lot of teams, not just the Reds. I think it's going to happen in a lot of sports. Well, it's going to be fascinating to watch it all unfold. Uh, I'm I'm not optimistic about any of it, but you know, it's, uh, well, we'll, you're, caught, you're we'll, caught in limbo. See, yeah. you're caught in, you're caught in limbo. <laughs> I am caught in limbo. We'll, we'll be discussing it either way right here, though. Indeed. All right. Kentucky coach John Calipari has suspended <laughs> freshman <laughs> forward Cameron Fletcher after Fletcher's emotional play? outburst towards the end of the Wildcats lost to North Carolina. <laughs> Fletcher was seen crying on the I'm bench reportedly due to play. a lack of playing time. And then with over a minute to play, he left the bench. Fletcher posted an apology to his teammates, coaches, and Big Blue Nation on a social media feed Sunday, but Calipari announced a day later that Fletcher was suspended, tweeting, we have asked Cam Fletcher to take some time and step away from the team. He needs to reflect and do some soul-searching to get his priorities in order. Any attitude or actions that are detrimental to this team will not be tolerated, and that goes for everyone on the team. We have a culture that's been built over the last 11 years, and it will not change. Through good times and bad, this culture is meant to change individuals and change maturity. I can help us win some games. I know I could. This hurts our team, but this is about Cam and his future. Skinny, what do you make of Calipari calling Fletcher out in public like that? Do you have an issue with it at all, or do you think it was warranted? Hang on. I got to get Cam Fletcher out of this room. Give me a second. (laughs) I was wondering what was going on there. I thought I heard crying in the background while I was trying to read there. That's one of the most bizarre things I've seen. Right? That is bizarre. I think what you have is you have a, a coach who's frustrated with his team. You have a player who's frustrated because they're not winning and he's not playing. And I think everything's kind of come to a quick head. And listen, man, this this is this is you you made your bed here, Cal. Now you got to lay in it and figure it out. And, and, and I'll get I mean, he's everything I'm reading. He's trying. He's trying to a bunch of different things. But I, I think this is something we've talked about before. I for whatever reason, I just don't find this this class of freshmen across the country and there's a handful of guys but the depth of of like one and done talent doesn't feel like it's there and where terrence clark and, and bj boston were kind of at the head of this class towards the top of this class it shows me this class just isn't supremely talented and i think in the past when cal's got these one and done guys they were one and done guys they were legit not all i mean the kyle ortons of the world and a couple of those guys who you know tried to make it in the league after one and done, but there's enough of those guys that were supremely talented that they were going to go win basketball games. And listen, I think there's, there's things that Cal, you know, I'm not a huge Cal fan, as you know, and many of you listen to me know, I do think he coaches hard and I don't mind that. I, I coach hard. I get it. I think he coaches hard. And I also think he's really good probably at building a kid up, tearing a kid down, building a kid up. And probably if you listen to him, he's probably fair in his criticism and his accolades as well. I do. I have to give him credit for that. But when things aren't going well and, and, and you suddenly don't have supremely talented kids and they're young and there's no veteran to fall back on. Olivier Saar is not a dude. 
Um, Davion Mintz is not a dude. They're nice complimentary pieces if there's dudes around him. Suddenly you have a roster that's a mess. And, and then probably the criticism stings more. And the kid who's not playing is, is really obviously to the point of tears. And obviously he and Terrence Clark got into it on the bench at the end of that game um, to the point where maybe Cal told him, get the hell off my bench and go to the locker room. Maybe he's at the point of putting his foot down and going, you know what? I don't care. I'll run all you sons of guns off and, and I'll play with what I got and I'll start over again next year. Cause I've done it before. And maybe that's where he's at because right now that's a bad basketball team. They're bad. It does feel like they are one loss to Louisville away from Cal just saying, I do, I do not care. Like this is a lost year. We're in a pandemic, whatever. Uh, we, we may start have to cancel, start canceling some games here because we're sick over the next yeah, month. No, no, no. Yeah, um, and, yeah. and I don't care who leaves the team. He says Cameron Fletcher has a path back to the team, but he also made it clear that like it's up to Cameron Fletcher and he needs to change who he is. It was on his coach's show. He was. I wouldn't say positive about the situation, but I mean, he was very clear that there was more to it than just Cam crying on the bench because he didn't play. And he kept mentioning like, it's about respect and respect for everyone. And uh, it's a weird vibe coming from Cal on this. And it makes me wonder what else happened. We're not going to get the full story here, but it feels like we're really missing some, some giant well, pieces to the story because no, this I, is I, unlike Cal to really, I mean, he's been hard on his guys before and maybe after a game, he'll say, we need this guy to do something better. We need more from him, but I can't really recall a time where he would call someone out and really throw them under the bus like this and kind of, I mean, he's put it out there on record, an indictment on Fletcher's character at this point. Like, yeah, right. No, yeah, right. Well, I, you know, and, and that's where I go back. The one thing I think is, is you know, I think you earn your minutes for Cal. I don't think, and I think he's shown that before. You know, you could be the most supremely talented guy, and if you're not going to play the way he wants you to play, he's probably not going to give you the minutes you want. And so we don't see practice. We don't see maybe how many corrections he's had to make for Cameron Fletcher on the defensive end or how many times he's probably had to, and again, I'm just surmising her how many times he's had to tell him to play harder and, and do things this way. And you're going to earn minutes doing things those way, th those ways. And so I think he's fighting a bunch of guys who, for whatever reason, um, he's got guys that just don't know how to play. BJ Boston does not. Terrence Clark, they don't know how to play in structure. They cannot. Right. Um, and they do. They look like a glorified AAU team where it's fun to watch them run up and down and dunk some. And honestly, it doesn't matter if you lose the pool game in the morning. You got another pool game in the afternoon and maybe another pool game the next day. And you know what? If you don't advance to the gold medal bracket, guess what? You got another tournament next week. And that's good enough as long as I balled out and showcased my abilities. Um, it's hard to win basketball games without being a structure. The one thing I'll give Cal a lot of credit for um, when taking these one and dones. He's done a really good job over the years of putting them in structure and having them play in structure, still being able to showcase their talents. And unfortunately, I think this is the time for him where he, you made your bed, you've done the one and done route, and that's fine. It's been pretty successful. But you finally butted heads with a couple of kids who just don't get it, and maybe more than a couple of kids who just don't get it, and they're not going to get it. And the unfortunate part is you can't bench them all unless we get to the point of what you just said after the Louisville game is just saying to hell with it. If you don't want to play my way, I don't care. I'm not showcasing your talent any longer. Go sit on the bench or go leave my program, go get ready for the NBA draft and good luck. Cause um, you're gonna have to play in some structure there too. So see you later. Yeah. Kyle Tucker from the athletic did report that sources have told him that there are other issues inside the locker room. And it wouldn't be a surprise to see one or other players leave the program aside from just Fletcher. So, I mean, you go back to the end of the game where, Clark goes to the bench and asked Cam left. And then you see him and Calipari kind of getting into it and a player wanting to separate them. 
you just wonder. And when we use the term ego, people think it's a real negative connotation, obviously. But I mean this in the most literal sense of it. I I think this is the one of the first times Cal has really had trouble getting the ego out of yes the young kids. And 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 it's not a standpoint of like they're intentionally being selfish. I don't think. I think it's more just like they don't get it. You know, they don't know how to play without an ego and, and, and submit themselves to structure and a program and, and things like that. I and just Rick, think here, they're here, all kind here, of doing their own thing. Here's the thing I wouldn't understand from those players. That's the thing I don't get here. And again, I'm I'm I don't like the, the one and done thing. I I I I like to get to know players. I'm I'm old school. So I'm but I get that's where we're at, and I get taking those those players. So I want that to be clear. Um I don't understand how those players wouldn't trust that that when Cal's putting them in structure they still are going to be able to showcase their NBA abilities because guess what he's got over the last decade plus in doing this at Kentucky? He's got the proof to back it up. Look in the league. Look at all the Kentucky guys in the league who had to submit to structure. Anthony Davis, what did he average his one year? 14 points, 15 points a game? He wasn't an offensive force. He was a terrific athlete who added offensive value, but he was really more of a shot blocker, rebounder, defender, run the floor guy. He was not the offensive player he is today, Rick. So why wouldn't you trust Cal to have your best interest in heart and, and also be able to say, listen, I got all these guys ready. Yeah, they got themselves ready because they were extraordinarily talented, but none of these guys were hurt playing my way. Why do you think my way doesn't work when it's worked in the past for me, for the program, and for these players? And I think that's where the butt and the heads have come in because I'm telling you, I, I can't stand watching B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark play. I can't stand it. I, I, as, a, as a coach, it's almost like I, 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 they couldn't play for me. I, I couldn't take it. Well, and, and don't you think for a second that Cal, you know, I know he does it a lot, but Cal posting his graphic with all of the different UK players in the NBA sure. and the La Familia thing the very next morning was on accident. I mean, sure, it was no, a very absolutely. Right. on purpose uh, PR move by Cal. But to that point, that's where I go back to. I, I mean, I literally think these guys don't get it. Like, no, I agree. Not, they're not doing it on purpose. They're not trying to be super selfish. They just have such tunnel vision right now, and they're not having success, and they're facing adversity for the first time, and they can't figure out how to sacrifice and just give them. But but here's the and, other thing. And probably it, being coached hard for the first time. It, there's all of that stuff going on, but then there's also the, just fa- the fact of – these pieces don't fit well together well, on the court either. So like the, the adversity is going to come, whether they are all together and playing as one and have great chemistry or not. And the fact that it, they're struggling so much, I think is probably leading to a lot of the issues they're having in terms of their chemistry and not wanting to be coached and stuff like that. So, you know, winning cures a lot of ills and this team was going to have a hard time winning because of their makeup. And, and I think it has more to do with just, these guys aren't as talented as the previous one and dones and stuff. It's Cal has had a lack of shooters before, but this team has a, a major lack of shooters and also lack of like feel and IQ. It's similar to watching Xavier last year. They have guys that can pound the ball a little bit, not even they're not even great ball handlers, but they have guys that are athletic and can drive a little bit. And other than that, they have nothing else. Yeah, no, uh, agreed. And um, the, the other part too is there's just been, there's been no get right games along the way to to get that good feeling back where the ball does move because you you are getting up and down the floor and um, you know you you are getting you know 85 points and and you are uh, feeling good because you're just superior to an opponent. Right now, it's every game is a grind and this team isn't able to grind and hence that's why they're losing. And um, you know. For Louisville, I think they're fortunate in between that disaster of Wisconsin over the weekend. They got a chance to play Pitt and in, in kind of it wasn't a get right game, but they got right by winning that game because they were kind of in a similar boat to Kentucky a little bit too going into the Kentucky game. So I think Kentucky's in for a rough spell of it. 
Um, you know, and then there's no get right game because you're back to the conference and oh yeah, your one non-conference game is with Texas. Holy cow. I know everyone's going to say it's soft and they don't want to hear this and everything, but I do think there also might be a little of a, a mental health element here that we have to realize. And, there, and, and, and that's fair. And, that, and that's a legitimate point. It, it, and I don't think it's, you know, everyone's dealing with the COVID thing and some people are handing it great. You know, a lot of teams are having a lot of fun and, and love playing together right now. And that's fine. But you do have to factor in the whole Kentucky spotlight thing the you know the constant social media presence and everything else that you get that comes with playing at Kentucky and the negativity that comes with it and while the players always have that at Kentucky this year what else are you doing if you're a college athlete right you can't go out and chase girls you can't go out to parties like you are stuck with social media and video games yeah even so, normal college experience isn't normal there's no going to class no there's just no escape from any right. of this it's all they have is just basketball social media video games and each other and they only like each other right now from what it seems right, like right and the social media just has to be an absolute toxic situation so they, they can't escape that stuff so i i get it it's probably hard for these kids and i know there's old guys listening to this right now that are calling me all types of names and things for saying that but i do think no i think it's in a this fair scenario thing to there's it plays a role. Yeah. The, the thing with Cameron Fletcher, I think if it is mental health, I don't think Cal would have been as harsh as he was. Right. Yeah. And I don't necessarily mean like, look, the kid's unstable and has major right. issues. I'm just saying like it, they're young, even still, I know, you know, I mean, 18 to 20, whatever, you're still young and, and emotions get the best of you sometimes. And I imagine when you're really drained and things are going the way they are and you can't escape it all, you have a tendency to overreact a little more than you might otherwise, well, if you had more release and escape from it. And let me tell you as a, as a high school coach, and, and I've told, told my guys this every day and every day we, we start to practice. I'm, I, I tell, I literally, it's, it's the message every day of guys enjoy today because we don't know if we're going to be able to practice tomorrow. And I think they do actually kind of enjoy it. It's out of the house. It's back into some kind of a routine, you know, I, I think our kids in, in, in the community I coach in are, are close enough and tight enough that, that probably the three weeks that we didn't practice, they were able to go to the park, um, kind of stay somewhat normal. But, you know, for that college kid who's away from home, um, you're right, kind of insulated. It's all they really have. Uh, it, it, it's a lot. I mean, it is a lot. There's nothing that feels normal about that. So I, 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 I get what you're saying. I fully appreciate what you're saying because i think there's some truth to that and you're right my, my kids at my level aren't getting clapped at on social media um even if we lose some games nobody's clapping at my guys on social media that you suck um kentucky fans college basketball college sports fans pro sports fans you know that's happening i don't i don't see it on so i don't look at social media close enough to see it but i think you'd agree it's probably happening Oh, it's over the top for UC and Xavier players. I the the UK level players. It's at a completely different level, like you would not imagine. Quite honestly, I yeah. mean, no, I've peeked at it a few times, and it's just in, insane the the number of responses and comments and things that they get. And uh, you know, it just it is what it is. And like you can say, well, put it down, turn it off, delete your apps, whatever. But again what else do they have right now? We're all sitting there scrolling on our phones all day because if we're bored, you know, and we have nowhere to go, like what else are they going to do when they're sitting in a hotel room for hours on end? Like I've traveled with a ba college basketball team recently. They don't, they can't go anywhere. They can't go out to eat. Right. They can't go to hotel rooms. They on their road trip for a couple of days, they are just stuck in the hotel room together. They can play video games. They can get online. That's it. Yeah, that's hard. All right, let's move on to our betting segment where we both sucked, but me, I was, <laughs> I was back to making people money if you were fading me. So I hope, I hope you took advantage. Uh, I was two and eight. You were four and six moving myself. Should, to should, a, should, should I feel good about four and six? I guess. 
I mean, you, you kept your lead over me. You're okay. back to yeah, ha- having control sure. uh, closing into the final week or two here. So uh, I am 78, 86, and three overall. You are still above 500, 83, 81, and three. We'll have another show next week before UC, UK, or Ohio State play their bowl games. So we won't touch on any of the college football in this one. We'll, we'll keep it short. We've got a Friday night game on Christmas, though, that we are going to mention. Friday evening game, uh, 4.30 p.m., Vikings at Saints. Saints are seven-point favorites, and the total is 51 in the hook. Yeah, the Vikings really don't have anything left to play for. That was kind of a make-or-break game with the Bears on Sunday, and they had a fighting chance after they got the ball and interception in the end zone down three and proceeded to turn it over on downs, and that's kind of done their playoff hopes in. Saints um, Saints didn't even play great against Kansas City, to be honest with you. Drew Brees wasn't great. Um, they had a hard time converting third downs. Their defense wasn't great except in spurts. And yet you look up and they only lose to Kansas City by three. Um, I, I I don't think the Saints are playing great. I do think Breeze had to shake some rust off and, and probably getting that one game under his belt before this one will help. I'm going to take the Saints to, to, to cover this number. I'm probably going to regret it, but I'm going to go Saints 34, Vikings 20. So the Saints in the over for me. Saints in the over for you. I'm on the uh, same exact tip. I just, I mean, the Vikings are 0-5 against the spread in the last five games. Like you said, they've got nothing to play for unless you think they're fighting for Zimmer's job or something. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much on the same number as you. I'm Saints 34, Vikings 24. So Saints in the over as well. Sunday, 1 p.m., Bengals at the Texans. Texans are 8.5-point favorites, and the total is 45.5. Um, man. That's a big number for, for a Texans team that, that can't stop anybody. And, um, you know, do I think the Bengals get positive momentum off of, off of Monday? I actually do. But I also think that without getting the gifts that they got, that they still don't score points. And I don't care if it's Brandon Allen or Finley who's going to get the start and, and um, neither one of them are any good. I, I'm going to go the Texans here, 27 to 10. So the Texans in the under for me, I just, I, I I'm not writing the Bengals momentum wave. I think the defense will play well again. Um, but again, this offense, if, if you're not giving them gifts they're, they're they did put together the one good drive that clinched it. And I got to give them credit for that. But for the most part, the other 17 points on Monday night, other 20 points actually came on turnovers, either literal turnovers or that turnover on downs that led to the late field goal. If you don't turn it over, Bengals aren't scoring 27, 10 Texans. So I'll admit what I did on the podcast here for the last Bengals game. Uh, If you've been listening to the podcast and paying attention, I've mentioned for the last two years, I had self-banned myself from betting on the Bengals because I just, no matter what happens, I get it wrong because there's, there's head, there's emotion, there's things mixing there that just doesn't work betting on your team. Right. I broke that rule and I bet on them against the Steelers for the Steelers because I just knew 12 and a half was a gift, especially if there was a chance that Finley was going to be the starting quarterback. And lo and behold, I lost again. So coming into this one, I have absolutely no idea what to do. On one hand, my original take was exactly what you did. I had 28 to 10 Texans over the Bengals. The Bengals are going to completely flop. Their offense is going to be back to not being able to score after the Steelers game. That's what I was expecting. But then I started looking at the Texans and the points they've given up every week to even bad teams. I, I, it may take some gifts like it did against the Steelers, but I think they may get that against the Texans. The Texans find a way to give up points every single week. I'm going to say the Bengals cover 28, 24 is what I'm going with Bengals in the over. I feel terrible about it. I I hate that game. (laughs) That's a, that's a great assessment. I hate that game. Yeah. 
Uh, Sunday, 8.20 p.m., we've got Titans at the Packers. Packers are three-and-a-half-point favorite, and the total is 56. I love Green Bay here. Uh, I know the Titans are playing well. They're playing better, but um, this is going to be a different element. Uh, Packers are are trending in the right direction. They're going to probably be the one seed in the NFC. This game actually might. I don't know if it clinches the one seat or not for them, but uh, it's got the potential there. It certainly puts them in the driver's seat for it. Um, Lambeau on a Sunday night, it's going to be cold, all those things. Yeah, I know Derrick Henry's a steamroller right now, um, but I, I think the, I think Aaron Rodgers rolls up some some pretty good numbers here. That's still not a very good Titans defense. I'm going to go Packers, Packers 38, Titans 24, so the Packers in the over for me, and that's a big number, 56 the over. It is, uh, but I'm on the the same clip there. We actually got really close scores. You're just uh, slightly slightly higher on the Packers than I am here. I'm going to go Packers 35, Titans 27. So I'm also on Packers in the over. The big thing for me was: Have you looked at Tennessee's point totals since the loss oh, to Indy? It's been, it's been uh, trust Maybe. me. How about this? So in fantasy, I, I the the number one team in our league was 12 and two, um, and in the semifinals, I did not have to play him. Somebody else did. He has Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill, right? And he's just steamrolling people. Well, <laughs> poor guy. He was down by seven going into Monday night with the Steelers defense and Chase Claypool. Looked like an automatic win. Didn't quite happen. So he gets eliminated. I get lucky. I don't have to face Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry because those two guys are just steamrolling people at the moment. Yeah, they're monsters. And I, I mean, granted, they haven't been playing against the best competition, but they've been putting up numbers in the offense as a whole has. So uh, the thing is, their defense just stinks, though. So I can't yes. I can't pick them to beat the Packers or even cover. But um, I do think the over is the play here, even at that high total of 56, simply because the Titans defense is bad and the Packers want to score, even though their defense is OK. So, right, right. Yeah, agreed. Uh, all right. Monday, 815 p.m. We've got Bills at Patriots. The Bills are a seven-point favorite, and the total is 46. Say that again. Just say that again one more time for me. Bills are a seven-point favorite playing the Patriots, and the total is 46. At the at the Patriots, is amazing that they're a seven-point underdog at home. Um, New England has nothing left to play for. Um, they, they had a fighting chance Sunday. Their offense is just big. Cam Newton is bad. I said that before the year. Cam Newton's not the Cam Newton we all remember because he doesn't run it anymore. He can't run anymore, and he can't throw it. Um this Bills team just keeps doing really good things week to week to week. I, I'm, I'm all in on the Bills here. It's such a big number. I can't believe I'm laying seven against the Patriots in New England. I can't believe I'm doing that. But I think the changing of the guard has already occurred in the AFC East, and the Bills are going to put their stamp on it with a dominating 31-13 win. So to me, the Bills and actually the under in this game. Wow. Uh, I'm on the Bills and under as well. I don't – I don't know if the separation is going to be quite that big. I'm going Bills 27, Patriots 17. The last time these teams played, it was a good game. The Bills won 24-21, but it was a similar spot. The Pats had lost three in a row, and my take was going to be like, oh, the Pats aren't going to lose a fourth in a row to the Bills. That's not going to happen. Well, now, I I mean, you know, they lost two in a row coming into this one. I fully believe they'll lose a third in a row uh, to the Bills. I agree with you. I think the change in the guard has taken place. I like the Bills here a lot. So uh, Bills in the under for both of us. We were pretty similar on our picks aside from that Bengals and Texans game. That was the only one we had opposite picks. Everyone else, we were lockstep in. So, yes, indeed. Uh, not going to create much separation here this week. 
All right, I got a three-team teaser as I always do, and it always goes up in flames. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I last week badly. I, I still I still enjoy doing it. I'm going to take the Ravens down to five against the Giants at home. I don't care if it's Colt McCoy or Daniel Jones. I think the Ravens have got their mojo back on offense, and and uh, you know they they put up all those points on the Browns in that Monday night game, followed it up by just steamrolling the Jaguars. Lamar Jackson looks like he's got his legs back, and and that just makes the fact that he's just a threat to run again. And I think it shouldn't be discounted when the Ravens were struggling. I think a lot of it was he, he was, was not. A, yeah, he was not a threat to run. And he's just not a pocket passer. He's not a bad passer. I don't want people to, to, to misconstrue that. There's a big difference. He's just not a pocket passer um, in the true sense of the word. Well, and when so, their offense isn't designed for that. Right. They exactly. Don't have the weapons exactly. to do that. What makes exactly. that special is him making you game plan for him. Yeah, and and their their offense is really rolling. He's playing really well. So I'm gonna take the Ravens down to five against the Giants. Feel really good about that. Um, I'm going to take also. I'm going to take football. Eh, I can't take football team with Dwayne Haskins. I was going to take football team. I'm going to take the Cowboys at home, getting eight and a half against the Eagles. Can the Eagles win? Sure, but I think it's going to be a close game. Dallas still has a lot to play for. I know that defense isn't great, but um, Andy and the offense are playing serviceable football. Um, and, and, and because of that, and the Eagles aren't a very good defense, I'm getting a touchdown plus with the Cowboys. I'm going to, I'm, I'm all over that one. And I'm going to take the, the Packers on Sunday night uh, up to two and a half. I just don't see them losing that game. Um, maybe they don't cover three and a hook. Maybe it comes down to a field goal. I don't think it does. I just think they're, they're going to steamroll them. So the three team teams are Packers, Cowboys, and the Ravens. All right. Yep. Uh, by the way, Dwayne Haskins didn't think nothing was wrong with going to the script. I don't think the script wrong club was not good club. for Dwayne, especially when that stuff gets out. Man, the script club don't always work. Yep, that's... get me a get me a bunch of scrippers. But he was just being rebellion. I was just being rebellion. What a uh, knuckle! <laughs> I uh, I've got one game for you here. I'm not going parlay. Oh, I'm not going oh, teaser. Okay. And if you want to get to it, you better get it within minutes after I put this podcast up. I like the Xavier Creighton over. In college basketball, I'm going five units on that bad boy today. Okay, and I want to tell you, when you're listening to this podcast, this game will probably be over, but this was done. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to timestamp it. 10.36 a.m. on Wednesday morning is the exact time that Rick said this. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going big on the Creighton Xavier over. I'm not worrying about uh, the big odds here. I'm just going to make a big play and, and hope it pays off. 155 or 156, I think it is. That's a, that's a big number, man. Woo. It is, but I just don't see A lot it. of possessions. I will say there'll be a lot of possessions. It's a matter of the only way I think this goes under is if you have two teams that don't make shots because the possessions will be high volume. Well, I mean, and they just, I don't think they have any interest in stopping each other. I think they both want to try to score 90. Greg McDermott said, I think it's going to take 94 points to win this game. Right. So right. Uh, when the coaches are telling you to bet the over, I feel like you should bet the over. And just the weapons, you know, both teams have offensively. I mean, you're, I, yeah, it's a, it's a, I think it's a good play. Yeah. All right. Time for Ask Any Anything, our favorite segment of the podcast, where you send your questions to me on Twitter and I post them to one Richard Skinner. We will start off with a sports question as we typically do. If Skinny could do one of the following to win a championship while playing, which would it be? A long three at the buzzer, a la. Local guy, Adam Kunkel, who did that yep. for Xavier yep. against Marquette. A walk-off home run, a touchdown run or catch, or a long putt on the 18th hole. Man, that's a great one. Because um, I was more baseball than basketball guy growing up as an athlete. Um, I didn't play football, but I love football. And I love golf. I'm not good at golf. Um, I don't know, man. If, if you got me a long putt with the, with the hushness, the stillness, the quiet – and, and as you watch it trickle towards the hole and you feel the momentum building, 
I think I'm taking the long putt. I really do. And maybe it's just because I'm, that's the sport I still play yeah, on a regular you're, basis. You're a golf guy. You're a golf I know, guy. but I'm also a basketball coach, right? And I was a big baseball player growing up. So, I mean, th- those three, all, all of them kind of hit a nerve with me. Uh, there's no better feeling, Rick, and you're a big baseball guy. There's no better feeling than bat, meat, and ball, right? There's just that, just that hold when it, when, when you connect solidly, just that numb feeling all the way up your arm and through your chest, um, you know, you, and especially if you connected on one to hit a, hit a game winner, boy, that would feel really good. Um, yeah. And we've all made that shot in the backyard too, right? Um, the, the three to win at the buzzer. I I'm still going long putt just because of the stillness of the moment, the momentum as it rolls towards the hole. I mean, to me, one of the most exciting ones for me is that, that tiger masters where he, he chips it in the, the great call, uh, the, the great Vern Lundquist call as it sits on the cup, sits on the cup and then trickles in and you can see the camera start to vibrate just because of how crazy people went. Um, I'm going the long putt. Well, the long putt has the most drama buildup for right, sure. Right. That's right. Uh, but the, uh, the walk-off home run has the most admiration time, though. After you hit it, you get to jog around the bases while everyone stopped. And, and, and I know you, you. So and you would you would be bat flip jackass. I know you'd be bat flip oh, jackass. I w- if oh my god, if I was playing in the major leagues and hit a walk-off home run, I would throw my bat three rows up into the stands. You do the uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. right, just Worse. sling that thing towards every. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd throw I, it I, into I the stands see. to somebody. Honestly, yeah, exactly, god, I exactly. Yeah, I no, I th- I mean. Look, I'm a basketball guy, so I'm probably going long three at the buzzer. I just think Coco shot was fun, though. It really was. Yeah, the relationship between and, and of course they didn't really have many fans there. You know, Xavier's right. doing wh- whatever right. they're allowed to do, two thousand or whatever it is. Um, but I I feel like that's the most intimate player to fan relationship is basketball to their fans. I, I don't think you know baseball. There's there's some closeness when you like have the on deck circle thing going on that the people right behind home plate. But in terms of like fans feeling like they're all on top of you and it just being really loud and, and you can hear them throughout the game. I think basketball is, is the coolest player to fan ratio. So I would go with the long three at the buzzer football to me is the one that I care for the least in this situation. Like I'm sure the roar of the stadium is, is amazing on like a, a breakaway run. So I bet that's cool. I, I just don't know what that's like. I yeah, guess but, you, but you, but you rarely have football end in that kind of fashion. Usually if it's yeah, a game ending play, it's a game ending field goal or Usually. defensive play or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. The, the catch takes the quarterback too. So I don't think I really want that. I, I want to do it myself. So love the question though. I, I, yeah, I, it's, yeah. It's a great question. I don't, I don't know what the, I don't think there's a real consensus answer to that one for most people. I think it would be whatever sport you prefer the most probably. And, and by the way, um, me and a couple of friends, we put, uh, we put 50 bucks in a pot each month and we play on a, there's a website contest.covers.com where they have a bunch of free gambling games on it. And one of them is called streak survivor. And you can actually win some money um, off of it by building a, a winning streak. You have to pick one game a day against the spread and, we do it where whoever has the most monthly wins gets the, gets the pot. Right. Um, so Sunday, my survivor pick was Xavier minus two and a half. And as I'm watching Paul Scruggs oh. drive, I'm just resigned to the fact of, I hope Xavier wins the game and okay. Paul's going to take the ball down the lane. He's going to either get to the rim, get, get fouled, that. pull up, whatever I'm going to lose. And when it missed it, it bounced out. I'm like, Oh my gosh, Kunkle, please grab that and just throw it up. And just so I can hope and, and have a hope that if it goes in, I win and you win. And if not, it goes to overtime. And as soon as you release it, I'm just sitting here watching it. And I thought, Oh my gosh, that's going to be in and I'm going to win and they're going to win. So shout out to Adam Kunkel a for the shot for Xavier fans for celebrating that and, and for getting me the survivor win. 
there you go. That's what it's all about. Getting skinny, the survivor win. It's it was exactly a, right. It was a hell of a shot. Too. Oh, it's incredible. I mean, and just, just because of the way the kid played that day too. I mean, that's the other part. <laughs> it, it was, it was almost storybook that, that that's the way that game was supposed to end with him chucking one in out of his ass to, to win the game. Cause he had done just about everything else in that game. Yeah. Well that hanging in the air jumper that he hit along the, the one where he got fouled in front of Xavier's he, bench. Yeah. And one, yeah. that was a hell of a highlight too. I mean, that was, a yeah, it, yeah, it just felt like it was his day. Right. I mean, he could do no, literally no wrong. Yeah, but we, I mean, like the, in terms of the clutch that, I mean, you know, you, you can't plan for a shot like that, but that's who that guy's been. That's, that's who that career. guy's been. That's exactly right. Yeah, that, that's I wrote that after the game. You, you yeah. saw it as much as I did in high school. It's like, he's always been clutch, always been a big moment, big lights guy. That's, that's who he, it's pretty crazy to look back and think that both him and Sean McNeil were on that same high school team and are now high major players playing well, at a really high level. And, and I'll be honest with you, Rick, and Northern Kentucky really hasn't produced a lot of high level college basketball players, but you got those two and you got CJ Frederick playing at the same time at Iowa. Yeah. And he's killing it too. I mean, that's it's pretty good basketball. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Uh, all right. What uh, a couple holiday related questions here for you. What's the oh, worst boy. Christmas gift you've ever received? This is no lie. My, my, my late aunt uh, was a little bit eclectic. Um, she, um, she was good people. Um, and she was known for giving kind of goofy Christmas gifts. And this was when I was, pro- I might've been a senior in high school, maybe a freshman in college. I was in that age of, and back then the legal drinking age in Ohio was 18. So I'm not going to tell you, I didn't drink beer when I was 16, 17 years old and broke the law, which I did, but that's when you were, we were kind of allowed to do it. So she one year <laughs> got me, believe it or not, she got me beer flavored toothpaste. What? Beer flavored toothpaste. I, I am not going to lie. I think she meant well. I tried it once. <laughs> that's the most disgusting yes and least clean slash refreshing thing i think i've ever heard again like i said i think she meant well in fact i know she meant well you were 18 at the time 18 or 19 it was either my okay. senior year of high school or freshman year of college one of the two did your parents think it was just funny or was yeah oh well, yeah no you know, okay. no question yeah help, help. for all i know my dad suggested it for all i know <laughs> i i didn't know they made such things and i'm, I'm glad they don't anymore i don't think yeah I, I i'm sure they probably do that was back in the days of remember spencer's gifts yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was like the corner, the dark corner of Amazon right. before that yes. was online. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah. I do remember distinctly one year. I think this was like freshman year as well in, in high school. My mom got me clothes. And one of the things she got me was a pair of corduroy pants. Skinny, you know me. Could you see me wearing a pair of corduroy pants ever? Well, let, let, let me give you some. I was a big corduroy pants fan back in my day <laughs> to the point where, believe it or not, one year we went to Hawaii on vacation and, and we packed one pair of slacks. Everything else was shorts, summertime short pants, summertime short or, or pants. swim trunks or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the one pair I did pack for Hawaii was corduroy pants. And I didn't leave that one down from, 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 my, from my sister to my parents. I bet um, that was comfortable. Uh, yeah, it was not. Um, yeah. So the one night, you know, a couple of nights you go out for a nice dinner. Uh, we stayed in a condo, so we kind of cooked in at times and ate outside. It was it was a great vacation, actually. Um, but, um, yeah, I packed a pair of corduroy pants. Yes, excuse me. We've got swamp ass DEFCON level five back in aisle H. <laughs> no question. See no. a few rows away. Yeah, no question. Actually, I did have to wear that was when I had to wear a suit on the plane, believe it or not. Oh, my dad worked for the airlines and when you flew as a as a non-revenue passenger as an employee oh. you, you had to wear a, a, a suit well not a suit but a uh, a dressed up outfit i had to wear a tie 
Well, our, our friend and colleague Jed Demusi would love that. That's what he he wants to harken back to those times. He I doesn't know he think does. men should even be allowed to wear shorts on planes. He 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 wants stewardesses too, doesn't he? Not flight attendants. Flight attendants. He wants stewardesses. Yeah, yeah, that's the kind of guy we're, Jed is. We're, we're wearing the white linen gloves with a little cap on their heads. He wants that, doesn't he? Yeah, he's not not very progressive, if you ask me. Not very progressive at all. No. Uh, all right. What's the New Year's resolution that makes you? that most makes you roll your eyes in skepticism when someone pledges to do it. It's probably the whole, I'm going to lose weight and work yeah. out at the gym. That, that's the one. I mean, nobody ever sticks to it. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it, do it when you're not, fe- I mean, do it honestly when you feel like you're heaviest, you're like, I got to lose some weight. It's June 13th. I need to lose some weight. I'm going to start working out now. Don't just make the new year's because you're not going to stick to it. You're just not. No. I mean, that's the big one. I don't even know like what else people like maybe stop drinking or something. I don't know what maybe stop well, that, smoking. That, that's a, that's a foolish decision in right. my opinion. Right. I mean, yeah, stop right smoking. before new year. <laughs> but again, but why, why would you pick, you know, the new year to do, if you're going to stop smoking, just stop when you need to stop. Yeah. And, and I, think, I will say of all the things I, I have a lot of bad habits in life, as you can imagine, that's the one I never took up. My mom and dad were both smokers. And I just, I guess I always found it this, the smell of it disgusting. I'll smoke an occasional cigar, but that's the one habit I never did pick up and never really wanted to pick up. I had no desire to do it. The cigarette thing. Yeah. The smell of it. Just, I, I, oh. I can't do either. I, I'm with you. My grandma always smoked when I was growing up and it, it's the worst. So, and and, and it, it's so weird. I, I can still remember when my mom and dad um, uh, retired, they retired to Clearwater, Florida. And um, it was a great place for, to go vacation when, you know, I was newly married, you know, you don't have a lot of money and great place. Go out to mom and dad, spend the week at the, at the house. And uh, they do all the, all the cooking and, 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 and you really don't have to pay for a whole lot. Take them out maybe once, once or twice yourself just to say thank you. But I can remember the first time my wife and I did that, we came back home and I still remember when we opened up the suitcase, we didn't, we knew when we were in the house. It's like, uh, cause we're not smoking. One of us are smokers. And so we're in the house and the good part is it's Florida. So a lot of times the windows are open. So you don't really smell. You're outside a bunch cause it's Florida, but man, when we got home and opened that suitcase up. Oh my heavens. The smell. Yeah, that's that's just nasty. Yeah, it's the worst. Oh, but, dude, when I would come home from Turfway Park when I worked there at night, oh, oh it's in your oh, hair. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, you'd have to take a shower. Yeah, y'all, of course. Yeah, it's the only it's the only way to get it out. And I'm just not a big resolution. I'm not a resolution. Bucket, I'm not a resolution bucket list guy. I know people that do bucket lists, and I think it's wonderful. I just I'm just not that guy. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I don't want right. to jump out of an airplane. I, I just don't. I'm sorry. That's not on my bucket list. One more holiday-related question. Uh, what is a perfect Christmas meal? Um, Can I just tell you what it's not? Turkey? Ham. Ham is for peasants. Ham is... I, I, li- I like ham. We don't. We, that's usually our Easter go-to um, is ham. Usually for us, it's, it's funny. I don't think we do this by design, but it feels like it always works out this way. Easter ham, obviously turkey Thanksgiving, and we do a, a, a big kind of prime rib uh, Christmas dinner. Yeah, that's what we we do at my uncle's house, but not, we're not doing that this year because of the whole COVID thing. So I am kind of bummed about missing out on the uh, prime rib. Yeah, actually, we're like I said, we're going um, to my daughter's house, and then her her in laws are coming up too. That's you know probably a bigger gathering than the governor would like, but it's still kind of family ish. Um, but that's what we're doing. We're having the the rib ro- or the prime rib over there. So yeah, that's that's perfect for me. Yeah, that's I'm I'm I, I like the prime rib and you know a couple sides, a little mashed potatoes. Yep. Whatever big goblet, big goblet of red wine, and off you go. Yep, that's exactly right. You got you got to have a good Christmas drink though. Whatever it is, you got to if it's like a, probably not mixed drinks too early in the day, but like no. whether it's a beer you're sticking to or something, you just got to choose. I like to get something that's different from what I normally do. 
Like I'm not drinking my usual beer on Christmas. I'm either switching up to wine or I'm getting a Christmas I, beer. Or- yeah, it's funny. I I, I kind of do that too. It's it's usually you get a nice six pack of something that I don't normally get and or um, just drink red wine all day. Yeah, exactly right. All right, last question here. Let's say that you had to pick one of two unfortunate conditions to deal with for the rest of your life. Okay. Loudly farting every time you laugh or okay. quietly crying every time you fart. Which do you choose and why? All right. So let me, let me, let me, I got to picture this in my mind. Loudly farting every time you laugh. Yep. So every time that you laughed on this podcast, you would just rip one or quietly crying every time you fart. Oh, man. That's a tough, that's a tough, I'll I'll go quietly crying every time I fart. I'm not a crier in general. So people would just think your eyes are watering. Yes, correct. I, you know, I, I I just, I chalk it up to allergies. I got the allergies are bugging me again. Come on, Cam Fletcher. Do we, maybe this is what happened with Cam Fletcher. Maybe it's this condition. Did anyone check with them? Here's what you do when when you quietly, well, so it's quietly crying every time you fart. Okay, but he didn't say every time you loudly fart. So no. that's where you can maybe claim, SBD. oh, who did that? Oh, it's making my eyes water, man. Hey, oh, great call. If you're an SBD person, you yes. definitely want to do the quietly yes. cry every time you fart. Yeah, there you go. I think I, I think I stumbled onto something there, Rick. Yeah, no, I'm with you. The problem is I'm not an SBD. I was just a loud <laughs> farter, so you would know. But I would still take that option because loudly farting every time you laugh would be just inconvenient and yes, uncomfortable and... Yeah. People think you have an issue. And I think you, you you would have probably an issue. And I like to laugh. I mean, as much as I'm a cynic and a skeptic and um, a former angry guy, I like to laugh. There's a lot of things I like to laugh about. So to me, if I was farting every time I loudly fart every time I laughed, I would be a public embarrassment. Yeah, I think that could be a problem for your sphincter, too. Like, I don't think yeah, oh, you yeah. fart that it's much. Quite, I heard a guy quite... on F- Howard Stern who was like a fart on command guy. You could fart like songs. And I think like his he had that's an issue. There. It was something that's was popping a, out. You know, yeah, a, that's a, that's a problem. That's that's got to be some yeah. kind of medical problem for sure. Yeah, that's not good. All right. You don't well, uh, on that note, yeah. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> and a happy new year. And, uh, we'll be back before new year. So we'll, we'll wish everybody a happy new year yeah, before we point. do that, that podcast. We uh, need to make uh, some resolutions or something. Jeez. Exactly. For Rick Roaring, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us again. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holiday. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the weekly potpourri edition.